Welcome to the Corporate Venturing Insider Series, where I interview top practitioners in the CVC world and learn with you the best practices and golden nuggets that they have accumulated over their career. In this episode, we will be learning from Pramila Mullen, partner at IBM Consulting. Pramila, could you take a few minutes to share your story and how you got to where you are today? Thank you. So my journey into co corporate venturing um, took a unconventional path, actually. Um, I actually come from a background in research and development, um, spending a number of years with uh, Bell Labs during uh, uh, the 80s and 90s in, at Bell Laboratories doing research in uh, distributed systems. Subsequently came out to the Bay Area to join a startup and spent a, a, a career navigating both the research environment along with the uh, product development, product engineering, and product management environments as well for a number of companies, both uh, small and large in, in the Bay Area. Um, subsequent to that, I joined Accenture uh, Technology Labs actually in, in research and was conducting research when the Accenture Ventures organization was formed. Um, and um, that was the start of my journey in venturing um, without really any background in that, not really knowing much and came to my first global corporate venturing meeting, looking to absorb with wide eyes and trying to figure it all out. I am now at IBM Consulting and I head up the Ventures and Ecosystems uh, organization within IBM Consulting, uh, where we are focused on not just ventures for this, but also really as we talk about the three knobs of, of how to do innovation, which includes acquisitions, equity investing, and open innovation, and how to leverage all three arms collaboratively together. So I sit within an organization called Ventures Ecosystems and Acquisitions, actually, but I focus primarily on the Ventures and Ecosystems part of that. Okay. Academically, I have an engineering background, but in addition to that, I also did uh, academically pursue an MBA. And uh, for those who are like deep into engineering, some would say you can, then there are a lot of different ways of learning different things. But for me, Having that MBA exposure helped me a lot in the financial statement analysis and some of the gaps in the skill sets that I did that I had as I transitioned into venturing. So I, I leaned back on that um, academic experience to help me figure certain things out, which I didn't have. So it's interesting. Very few people I've interviewed for the CVC Insider series talk about a product management background. That's one that I have. And so I have probably some bias towards that, but how helpful do you think the product management discipline helps you to be a very good investor? Yes. See, this is exactly what I was talking about, finding that commonality from some time in the past and then using it. I learned something about you today, Nicholas, that I didn't exactly. know. I, I look forward to a number of conversations about that particular topic. Um, what do product managers do, right? They're, they're talking to a number of clients. They are working with their clients and they're using those conversations in order to structure the today and future roadmap of the product that they're working on, the releases that, that they're working on. Now, those skills are 
hugely important in terms of having that conversation that you're with a startup that you're potentially looking to make an equity investment in and understanding what where that company is today and where the potential of that company is five years from now right and being able to roadmap that potential in order to be able to even assess whether to make an equity investment in that company now We've been talking about equity investments over here a lot, but I want to go back to a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Okay. And that is this idea of multiple knobs when one is thinking about innovation and having leveraging all knobs to their fullest capacity. So it's not about equity investing only, especially from the perspective of a GSI, because from the perspective of a GSI, we're making an equity investment before the equity investment. We are a partner with the company. Mm -hmm. We don't have to invest in the company. And hey, guess what? After the equity investment is done, we're not just looking at the numbers and looking for the return on equity. In fact, it's about the fact that post equity investment, they are a partner of ours. So mm -hmm. we're it's business as usual to a certain extent on steroids. On steroids, right? By the way, you mentioned GSI. I'm not sure everyone in the audience know what GSI is. A global systems integrator. So IBM Consulting is a global in systems integrator. They provide professional services uh, to, to large enterprise clients. And they help the startup basically integrate into a larger solution and help provide the professional services to ensure the success, the delivery success at any client. And now, I think this is one of the key parts which I like to talk about, which is the superpowers of a corporate VC. As a GSI, you have the opportunity to help startups who are not yet credible and bring a huge amount of credibility and guidance. Can you talk a little bit about this? And then we will go back to those three knobs. Correct. No, so I was actually going to talk about that particularly. Okay. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring out this, this notion of open innovation and the partnership with the startups post-investment or even without an investment. Yeah. So as part of the open innovation function, what we do with the startups is we work collaboratively with the startups as they're looking to scale. So the types of startups that we work with are startups who are not looking for their first lighthouse client win because they, they're still working on their MVP. They don't necessarily have an MVP. A systems integrator is not going to be able to help a company, to be honest with you, and would not engage with the company that's working on their first MVP. Okay. What we're, what, what we're good at is helping a company that has their lighthouse win and helping them scale. Right. And in helping them scale these, these product management skill sets, again, help you with a discipline in scaling methodically, systematically working with that startup going doing the rinse and repeat. Okay, we have a lighthouse win. We've got this, we've got this client in this industry, we got this amazing lighthouse win, how can we help bring new clients to the table? Mm -hmm. How can we help 
know, lift the, the scale at which we can deploy. Those are the types of strengths where GSIs particularly are helpful. And from my perspective, I see time spent in product management helping me today on a day-to-day basis working with the startups that I work with. In a way, it would be very strange for a GSI company not to have this type of open innovation and corporate VC because you're at the edge of the innovations coming from the startup ecosystem. Is there any reasons why you think a company, a GSI company would not have a CVC? I think it would uh, not benefit them not having a, a, yeah. a and I'll tell you why. Increasingly, clients are working with startups. Gone are the days where clients are very risk averse and not willing to work with the startup. Yes, they want success in delivery, and that's where the GSI comes into place because the GSI can bring the scale to in, ensure success, but it's not to mitigate risk anymore. It is to help with the delivery. The clients are working with startups today, period. Now, you can either join that or you can miss out. And ergo, a GSI that does not have an open innovation function or or does not work with the startup community is increasingly missing a seat at the table, I would say. Very nice. So let's talk about investment decisions. How are you structured? Um, How is your investment committee thinking about things? How do you make sure you're fast at the same time as very thoughtful? You have brought up a very important point over here. Because as strategic VCs, as I always say, we are always the last to the table because we have uh, a small equity investment to make. And and, and we, we typically don't lead investments. Uh, we have to be very nimble. We have to be able to make decisions fast because we will miss out on rounds and we cannot expect the, 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 the lead investor or the CEO of a startup to hold rounds open in, you know, indefinitely for us. That's just not practical. And so in forming that that uh, uh, approach to decision making within an organization, it is very important to un- to ensure that the process it's set up for very efficient decision making in terms of equity investment, right? Um, at the same time, there's this aspect of speed to decision is great, but you cannot have speed and compromise the the thoughtfulness aspect of it. Yeah, you can speed, but it's fresh. You have to develop your own conviction using the term that I referred earlier. You have to allow yourself the time to develop the conviction before you go off and speedily make an investment because without the conviction, post-investment, you're going to struggle. So here, first it's a golden nugget, but I want to double click. How do you build conviction? And you mentioned earlier, you're thesis driven. How do you build a thesis? I think thesis driven depends on the type of company. Mm -hmm. So for me, 
the thesis driven is very simple. What IBM consulting looks for is uh, those companies that are not trying to figure their MVP out because we're not going to be able to help them to be frank with you. We are going to be able to help those companies who have their MVP, who have validated their MVP with uh, a, a few clients. Those clients are intersecting with IBM's client base. And the startup is now at a point where they're saying, I'm running out of steam. I can either build a really, really, really large organization in order to scale, or I can partner. And a company like IBM Consulting can come in and be that route to market from a partnering perspective for that company. So what that translates into is Series B being the sweet spot, but somewhere between Series A and Series C, by exception, Series D, but usually by Series D, they've got D, they've got it figured out. So somewhere between Series A and C, certainly not at the seed round yep. level. Um, the second thing is, you know, as a GSI, selfishly, of course, we're going to look at companies that are need professional services to to integrate into a solution that is meaningful for the client, because that's where we make our bread and butter. And so obviously we're going to look at startups, Series B startups, but if the Series B startup needs to scale by increasing their hardware capabilities, that's perhaps not a good fit, mm-hmm. right? It's professional services that we're looking at over here, right? Uh, and so that's unique to IBM Consulting. Also, you know, uh, I see a lot of technology companies investing very early because they have a front row seat to innovation, right? Uh, and and IBM, IBM is an interesting company because we've bought, got both the technology and the services all wrapped up in one company. So we, when we look at companies, we look at companies that sometimes and very often benefit both sides of the organization. And so having that lead indicator of in, in innovation direction is a critical component of uh, of an evaluation of whether to make an equity investment in the company or not. Actually, I can see definitively the case of augmenting what's already there. Would you also consider investing in a startup that could disrupt part of IBM? I would have to uh, defer to IBM Technologies for that because that is squarely in the space of IBM Technologies, but um, and I work in the consulting side of the equation. So, uh, you know, that is a question for IBM Ventures. I would be remiss in, in answering that question. If you're not looking for potential disruptions and keeping an eye on potential disruptions and figuring out how you're going to deal with the disruptions, you're not going to be doing yourself a, a service as a company. The question then becomes, how do you keep an eye on disruptions? And there's no one safe answer to that. There are, again, lots of different tools that you can use. Yeah, and sure. making an equity investment is just one of the tools. It's one of the tools. And it's all about addressing blind spots, which actually goes back to my question about the investment committee. So who is in your investment committee? Do they need to all approve or only some of them? How does that work so that maybe the audience gets a sense of best practices that you've developed? 
Yeah, so from an IBM consulting perspective, uh, essentially what we do is uh, we have our key leaders um, and we make sure that our key leaders from the market as well as from the head of, uh, of IBM consulting as well as the uh, the the uh, the service line leader who is bringing forward that equity investment are all aligned because it's very important to have everyone aligned. That thoughtfulness that we were talking about yep. earlier, that alignment without that alignment before you make an equity investment, will hurt you post investment. And what we're looking to do um, is. Post-investment, because we're a GSI, we want to go fast, right? Um, we want to be selling fast. And so yeah. we, we need to put a lot of constructs in place ahead of that equity investment to enable us to sell fast. And, you know, that any amount of time that is taken, even if it means not making that equity investment because you miss out on the opportunity, having that alignment and taking the time to have that alignment is hugely important, right? Because even if we miss that equity investment, it's not the end of the world. We can partner. We yeah. were a partner before, we are a partner after. You may decide the alignment is not that strong as a Series B, and then you ensure the alignment becomes very strong, and Series C, you could still invest. Exactly, because we're looking at the business. We're looking at the, 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 the large amount of, of, yep. of money that yep. you can get from the business. I think it's a golden nugget in all the work of ensuring this alignment, maximize the chance for a very good on-ramp of the startups with the rest of yes. the groups. Any best practice on how to ensure that alignment is done well? Having a good handle on the, the potential market and being able to plan a a reasonable expansion of the business over time because this is a new practice this is you're building a new practice with this company in in many cases and new practice development is not easy so having what i find is that very often we will build a business case and if that business case is not well aligned with uh the roadmap of 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 how the company is going to evolve you won't make the business case so the business case has to be grounded in reality has to be conservative to a certain extent and yet show the potential of that market yep. the upside uh, yeah. you know so that is a very careful dance and making sure that startups how often have we had startups that were really good startups, but they mistimed? Mm. So that, that conservative approach to what you're really going to be able to generate from a revenue perspective is really important. And that's also maybe where Series B is your sweet spot, because at that point, you can actually have a good grasp on the business case. If it's Series A, there's still quite a few unknowns and they haven't proven their market fit and so on. But how do you approach a series A versus a series B in this case. Yeah. So it's really, why is series B a sweet spot? And when would you consider series A? When you've got brand spanking new technologies, and I'll give you a case in point. I dipped my toes into blockchain for the first time seven years ago. All right. 
which is about the time of the white paper. Exactly. Yep. You got it. Yep. I read it too. That was impressive. Wow. Even if you say Series B is my sweet spot, there ain't no company in the world that isn't at the Series B stage. And yet that this technology area is hugely an important technology area. Fast forward, okay? Quantum computing is another example, all right? Hugely important area. But where are we in terms of the availability of companies in the industry in quantum computing. You're going to have to take some risk. And that's when you start dipping your toes, because even if that investment is not successful, it's not about the success of that specific company. It's what you learn in the process that will help you play in the game and inform your subsequent investments. And so that's when you go early, when it's not clear yet. And having a portfolio approach helps. It does, especially when it's such technologies like blockchain or quantum computing, where you're trying to discover use cases that has an end-to-end -end delivery. How do you share back all these learnings back to the organizations? Do you have some type of reports, newsletter? How do you make sure that all these insights you gain as a corporate VC become mm -hmm. actionable inside the mothership? That part of the of every corporate VC that is called portfolio management, everyone mm -hmm. has it, right? That part of portfolio management in the case of an organization like a GSI is actually the organization that's doing the business development. Mm -hmm. So what I found was that when I was working with uh, co-investing with some companies, right? A lot of the companies that I would co-invest with would work very closely with me because they found me working day to day with the startups in helping them grow. So it wasn't just fire and sit back and watch the equity investment. It's being in the trenches and helping those startups do what it is that they need to do. That learning from working with the startups and and mediating between what that learning is and the organization that sponsored the equity investment and helping them uh, learn from and evolve and grow their, uh, their business plans on a quarterly basis as they adjust. My team works uh, with the business uh, owners in the field, in the market, and works with the startups and basically helps bring those two together on a regular basis to adjust to the ebbs and flows of the business and to learn and then evolve their next version of the business plan based on their learning. Very nice. When you say portfolio management, you mean the, you don't mean the portfolio just of the startups you invest, but also the one you decide not to invest, but partner. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. we do that across the board through uh, through all of our uh, portfolio of companies that we work with. So I will double click here on the skill sets of that portfolio team, because this is so critical a team. And whether you think it should be internal recruitment, external, or some kind of hybrid. I think for that team, I, I'm less concerned about in, internal or external because revolving doors uh, do change. It's having the domain expertise to really be able to help the partner. I agree. Uh, Otherwise, you can't find a win-win. 
Yes, having the domain expertise. And that's not easy. Uh, believe me, as I say that, it's not easy when you're dealing with the breadth and depth of companies that, that we're dealing with. But I think over time, having that team build their domain expertise and have their business development. In, in, in my case, I value the business development skills a lot because what we're doing is we are helping with the pipeline. Very nice. And then my last question is, what would be your advice to someone thinking about starting a CVC in their company when they don't already have a CVC? Yeah, so um, it's really important uh, as I look at the successes, right? There's two types of uh, two types of uh, skill sets that are hugely important. One type of skill set is internally facing, and that is having a good handle of the business and having someone leading up that CBC unit that has a good handle of the company, the business. Yep and the network that enabled them to develop that CBC. And the second aspect of it has to do with leading the way in terms of creating that CBC organization and building the team of multiple skill sets that you've got. Now, again, you will not always have, as you're filling out this organization to help guide you, you will not always have those skill sets necessarily found in any one individual. And so you will have to develop that through a number of individuals, but forming the right team, making sure that you've got legal counsel, whether it's internal legal counsel or whether it's external legal counsel, because there are ways of, of bringing that expertise in. Just systematically thinking through what that structure is required and then filling that structure is going to be hugely important. Very nice. I think you finished with a really nice golden nugget. So I want to thank you, uh, Pramila, for all your time today and your insights and your tips. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.